When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? We are live with a Sunday evening episode of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. And right now, you head on over to Tops as Ryan did, and I'll show you this picture in a moment. They have the best burger deals in town with over 30 ready to grill burgers. Tops is the place to pick out the juiciest, most delicious burgers in town. From beef and turkey to chicken and veggie, you'll find something for everyone. Taste the flavors of the world with unique toppings and twists on the classic burger. Tops World of Burgers is yours to explore. And we have a first person, first hand account. That's right. Because you did some exploration. I did. I didn't even know where to begin, Matt. There were there were so many burger selections at Tops when I was there yesterday. I made a stop at my hometown Tops, <laughs> thumbs up, and uh, making sure that uh, I had the world of burgers right above me. I framed it pretty well, I thought, but. You know, they had some great deals going on at Tops. The burger selection was phenomenal. BOGO pork chops, BOGO deals, and a lot of other meat can't beat it. It's funny. There's actually a better way to do that where we could have put ourselves in the corner and then just really, like, featured that picture. But we threw it right in the middle of the screen. No big deal. All right. The Bills had a non-padded practice today, two days after the red and blue – or the blue and red scrimmage. Uh, And we're going to get to a lot of it because – you know, my notes here, I, I took a ton of notes. I didn't think that I would. I thought it would be kind of like a Low slower, kind of lower key type of day. But as we got into this, there was a lot of things to kind of read in between the lines. There were some, a couple of players that I want to highlight that had big days, but really just like the operations of it all. We're going to get into a little bit of maybe some like thinking along, you know, maybe down the road a little bit, how certain decisions could impact things, not only this season, but into next season. But we've been hard at work already today, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually shocked you have any ink left in that pen, Perino. You were <laughs> listen, the Bills, when they rotate, they rotate, you know, a lot of players at once. And he's writing down these. He was a, a man on a mission today. You know I what? Think I, I saw smoke coming off of your pen at one point. That probably did happen. Like we are now like this, this, we're like three quarters of the way through this notebook. You know what I'm thinking I might do? 
I might give this to one of our Shout Buffalo Bills insiders. Just give them the whole notebook, and they can kind of go through, read it all through. It's definitely going to have to be kept off the record. You're not able to That's disseminate right. any of this. but Because um, there's a lot of notes over the years. I think this goes back maybe to last year, maybe the maybe the late in the year before. But maybe we could do something like that. And how do you become a Shout Buffalo Bills insider? You know oh. the phone number? 716-528-6727. Woo! That is big time. Memorized. Ryan coming out to St. John Fisher and delivering right. the phone number. Send a text. Say hi. Say what's up. Say I want to join. Say I want to become an insider. It's that easy. Two-week free trial. $3.99 a month after that. The best new deal in Buffalo. But we're going to get into it because I want to start with CB2. We thought things were narrowing in the yeah. cornerback competition. And then we get out to practice today. Christian Benford starts with the ones and plays probably more than Dane Jackson or Kyer Elam with the ones all afternoon finishes the day with two interceptions, one off Kyle Allen. We'll get to him in a minute, <laughs> but one was off of Josh Allen. And I thought it was really good coverage. I thought that it was a bad decision by Josh Allen. He was thrown into double uh, coverage. Benford was there. Deontay Hardy kind of seemed like he gave up on the ball a little bit. And then Benford ended up with a, um, easy interception, but you have to be there. You have to make that play. He made the play. And to me, that kind of shoehorns him back into this whole thing. Yeah. He, he's right back in the mix, Matt. When you come into the training camp practice and you're thinking, okay, maybe they're phasing him out. He gets first team reps. And then you have two interceptions in, in the same practice. That's the way to get yourself right back into that conversation. If the bills were considering making it a two man race at any point, you know, on that play, like you said, it did look like Hardy maybe gave up on the, on the ball a little bit, but to Benford's credit, he did not. He jumped that route. He was there for it uh, to catch the ball and make a play on it. And uh, all the players on the sidelines, all of his teammates were pretty excited about it. And then later in practice, we'll get to here, uh, very late in practice, actually, that interception against Kyle Allen where, you know, I don't know if you want me to get into it now. Yeah, let's do it. Right now, I mean, uh, again, a very bad pass by Kyle Allen. Uh, no business being made. Uh, targeting Khalil Shakir on the play, and all Benford had to do was jump the route and right. right in his hands and taking off down the sideline. So an easy interception for the the second one. But again, right place, right time, made a play on the ball. Yeah, like the Kyle Allen conversation is going to get, you know, more interesting as preseason games start and we get a kind of a larger look at what he looks like with maybe even a couple like quasi first teamers right. sprinkled in. Like I'm wondering, like, are they going to want to get Connor McGovern some reps? Are they going to want to get, you know, Osiris Torrance mm. some reps, potentially guys that could be on the starting uh, offensive line? Like, listen, McGovern, he's somebody that is learning a whole new system, a lot of new techniques that I feel like you're going to want to see that kind of operationally in right. a game setting. Now, they might feel comfortable with him, what the work that he's doing in the classroom. We'll see how that plays out. But right now, there has been days. This was, to me, the worst practice to date of Kyle Allen's. I mean, I could write... I think I wrote like sheesh or, or yeesh <laughs> three or four different times on a Kyle Allen pass. And one of his passes, he was, he was uh, targeting Trent Sherfield and the ball was just, it was so high that Sherfield didn't even try to make a play on the ball. He went to defend the defender. Yeah. Like he tried to turn himself into a defensive back. And what ended up happening was he kind of shifted his body, turned towards the defender. Cam Lewis was trying to make a play on the ball and, Sh and uh, Sherfield just kind of like, trucked into him mm -hmm. to a degree cam lewis goes flying backward bounces his head off the turf he was down for a while all of the bills staff uh coaches players were all on a knee for probably a good 45 seconds to a minute yeah lewis ends up getting up he comes off he looked okay 
but it's one of those scary moments that, you know, the last thing that I'm going to remember from that play is the throw, but it was a really bad one uh, of a bunch of bad throws from Kyle. Allen. Yeah. Really bad throw. Kyle, uh, Cam Lewis actually had to, you know, climb the ladder, so to speak, to get his hands on that ball before it got jarred loose from him on the way down to the uh, turf. But it, it's interesting with Kyle Allen when they signed him, uh, right before the start of training camp, I had bills fans asking, is there a competition for, for quarterback two? And I said, well, no, I don't, I don't expect Matt Barkley to make a run for quarterback two, but, as bad as Kyle Allen has been to date, I don't feel good about the quarterback two position at all, Matt. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, what do the Bills do? Do they look at the free agents on the market? There's some players still available. There's a Teddy Bridgewater. But if I'm Bridgewater, I'm waiting for the first injury to happen in the NFL and then signing a, uh, you know, a more lucrative deal that way. Are you going to trade for a guy? Are you going to wait in for roster cutdowns? There are teams where there's a lot of, uh, quarterback pl- uh, in play where someone could get cut that you might like as that number two. But any of those scenarios, you still have to get them up to speed with your system, right. with your playbook. It's not good right now. I-, I would have zero confidence in either Barkley or Kyle Allen if they had to step in for a, a live game, which is a complete 180 on where I was with Kyle Allen after they signed him. I thought he could be a, a spot start here or there if there was something wrong. I don't have that faith anymore. But I also at the same time, and I'm I'm with you. Like I think that there's been enough bad where you're like, okay, what's going on here? But I also think that we haven't seen him play in a game yet. Right. And I think that like it, it's kind of he's gonna get a lot of reps over the course of three weeks, three games. I mean, really, Josh Allen, could we see a scenario where he doesn't even play a snap in the preseason? Just like maybe a series or two, just to like kind of work out some kinks. So we're going to see a lot of Kyle Allen in this offense, an offense that's very complicated that he's still trying to, you know, get used to. But some of the throws, I to your point, are just they're troublesome. And I, I think a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, while he may want a more lucrative deal, I think a lot of guys probably look at the situation. Well, if Josh goes down for a few weeks and I got to play that spot, I'd rather take less money and showcase myself mm. in a really good offense and then maybe be, have a chance to you know, sign on to a more lucrative deal next offseason. Yeah. Because we're late in the game here. Also, it is a hard no on Carson Wentz. I don't think you want that mojo in the locker room. Yeah, Carson Wentz and, and play, too, has just gone downhill. I mean, I, but I've had Bills fans in enough of a panic in our subtext group pitching, you know, Cam Newton, pitching Matt Ryan. I don't think Matt Ryan leaves the announcing gig unless it's for a starting job somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are people that are trying to do this, trying to find – uh, options and I appreciate that, but it, it's tough now. To your point, in the preseason, Kyle Allen's going to get some run with some offensive linemen that might be in the mix for to start and and be out there. He might get some reps with Deontay Hardy, with Khalil Shakir, maybe a Trent Sherfield. You know, I'm highly doubtful he'll get any reps with the Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis type, uh, but maybe even a Dalton Kincaid or a Quentin Morris players that at least could have a a decent role on this team. And maybe that'll allow him to kind of showcase or highlight his strengths a little bit more than what we've seen, but it has not been a good start. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody's asking about Jake Fromm. He's uh, in Washington uh, with the commanders uh, that he was been there since last season. And I don't know if that's an upgrade. I mean, I thought, I think we saw enough of Jake Fromm to know what that looks like. Um, Not a lot of mobility there, probably less than Kyle Allen. And I don't think that that, you know, if you're going to go out and get somebody to, to kind of compete with these guys. And listen, another reason why I don't think that the Bills do too much to shake things up there is like there's a lot of cohesiveness in that room right now. Those are two of Josh's good friends. Right. right. And I think part of this is putting him in a position where he feels like he's got two, you know, springboards and has a good relationship with bounce ideas off of. And like, you know, 
just kind of take the seriousness out of what is a very serious season for them coming up here. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point, Matt. Um, it, it's an interesting quarterback room because, like you said, they're close mm-hmm. friends. They're people that he's uh, considers, you know, friends off the field that he hangs out with, does a lot of things with. Uh, but if you're also Brandon Bean or if you're a coach on this team, you also have to say at some point possibly, listen, you know, it's great to have friends in that room with you, but you might have to make a tough decision here or there and add someone else into the mix that isn't your golf buddy or isn't someone that you spend time with in the offseason if it's for the best uh, or if it's for the betterment of this team. Um, I want, speaking of spending time in the offseason, I mean, we're the offseason is pretty much over yeah. and we're into, you know, that preseason and we want you to spend part of your preseason with us tomorrow night monday night is going down wing nuts is coming to rochester and ryan i actually just got an update before this show i thought the way i thought the pop-up that wing nuts is doing at dorado on park avenue here in rochester was going to be in like pretty much in like time-wise in conjunction with the shout podcast that we're doing live there tomorrow night um they're starting at noon ryan you can get wing nuts wings all day tomorrow, starting at noon at Dorado on Park Avenue in Rochester. I am going to practice. Ryan is actually going home tonight. He's coming back tomorrow special for this event. We will be out there. I'll probably be out there, be out there setting up by 435 o'clock. Um, come out to Park Ave. The weather um, right now doesn't look super great, but I just talked to my guy, Ryan, uh, who is the manager over at Dorado, helped uh, hook all of this up. He told me that they're putting tents. Uh, up outside to, to battle with the re- weather and the restaurant next door, uh, which is usually closed on Mondays, they are going to open that up and we can use that as space as well. Yeah. So huge shout out to Ryan at Dorado and those restaurants uh, opening their doors to us, opening their doors to wing nuts. So don't be scared off by the weather tomorrow. If it is raining tents outside a restaurant inside plenty of space, for great uh, beers, great wings, great Mexican food if you want some Dorado. Uh, and then our Shout Podcast. Don't miss it, Bill's Mafia. And if you need directions, you can just text us, 716-528-6727. And, hey, then you become a Shout Insider as well. Right. Two-week free trial, $3.99 a month. All right, let's move this thing along. I want to stay on the defensive backs for a moment. You know, Obviously, Benford had a, had a big day. I, I don't think that that competition is over. I feel like where are you at before we get into the um, how this thing shakes out from a bigger picture defensive backs uh, spot? Because I was asked a question on Twitter yesterday about like formulating the first eight or nine days of camp mm. depth chart at safety. And I put um, Micah Hyde at free safety and then behind him, Damar Hamlin. Right. Then I put um, Jordan Poyer and then Taylor Rapp at strong safety. And I left out Cam Lewis and I thought maybe he'd be like that third safety in both spots. But, you know, it was interesting during the first 11 on 11 team drill today, I noticed that Cam Lewis was the first safety out on the field after um, the top three, right. Rapp, uh, Hyde and Poyer. Now, I also think that there's been multiple situations today where I observed that the bills went with one linebacker, Terrell Bernard, who got all of the action at, at first team um, middle linebacker. And they went with six defensive backs and uh, Saran Neal was on the field. Yeah. Um, Cam Lewis was on the field at the same time. And that was with two corners and two safeties out there. So that's really interesting development. And I think plays into what we've already been talking about, that they're going to mix some things up a little bit, but where are your feelings with this CB2 competition? And do you feel like 
we're any bit closer than we were seven or eight days ago to, to finding an answer there? I don't think we're any closer. I think this is going to go well into the preseason. I think maybe the performances in the preseason could help determine the outcome of this mat. Uh, for a while, it felt like it was going to be a two-man race with Dane Jackson and Kyer Elam, and maybe it was the Bills giving Elam every opportunity to show what he could do, show that he deserves that spot. And listen, Elam had some really good moments during that time. But now you, you get back into the mix of um, throwing in a Christian Benford, and Benford performs well, two mm -hmm. interceptions today. So, no, I, I think you're kind of right back where you started. I don't think you have a firm grasp on who that is going to be starting opposite Tredavious White. I still think that there's a good chance it's Dane Jackson just to start out because of his familiarity with the scheme, with the system, but they have good options. And, you know, it's a good problem to have, but at the same time, you want, whether you're talking cornerback, linebacker, offensive line, you want to make these decisions sooner rather than later so you can gel, so you can work on your communication. There's a lot of other parts to this. So it's good to have this much talent, but hopefully the Bills can kind of narrow it down sooner rather than later. I wish I could be a fly on the wall in some of these meeting rooms just to hear like from a logistical perspective and just like a conversational perspective, what they're seeing when they watch these practices, because of course they have the benefit of having it all filmed and going to right. back and getting a chance to walk it, watch it again. But when I'm watching it first person, like for middle linebacker, for instance, I mean, I don't know what they would have seen from Balen Specter to remove him from that right. competition and keep Bernard there, who I feel like, since the pads have come on, has been the least effective of the three. Now, a lot of Balen Specter's big plays have come on the second team. Right. But, you know, Bernard getting a lot of opportunities today. I thought there was one play where he flashed at the end of practice. I thought he had a really good pressure um, on a blitz late in practice. But other than that, it just felt like a lot of the work that the Bills did over the middle when he was on the field, it just felt easy for the offense. Yeah, and you know, we spoke to Bobby Babich, the linebackers coach, this morning, and he talked about none of the linebackers in the mix for that job have the size of a Tremaine Edmonds, and you know, very few linebackers in this league do, Matt. But it comes down to being able to have that athleticism and physicality uh, because a lot of quarterbacks use their legs now, so you have to be good at that. You have to be able to be physical, though. And he says all of the linebackers in the mix, including Balen Spector, have those traits. Now, he didn't really allude to why Balen Spector's been pulled out of the competition. He did say he's getting some valuable reps with the second team uh, defense, but it does seem like a two-man race at that point. So at the end of the day, you know, at preseason Bills Mafia, watch these two players for their physicality, watch how well they cover, watch how well they can make plays. One thing I'll say to Tyrell Dodson's credit at the stadium is he had a lot of run stops. He was right there in the middle of things, uh, had one tackle for a loss. So it's going to be tough to move on from Edmonds and expect whoever that is that wins the job to uh, play at that same type of level right out of the gate. But the, the Bills do have kind of a checklist of what they're looking for. It's a really good question. I want to just pause and take real quick. We've got a lot to get to. So, you know, buckle up, Bills Mafia. This is going to be a more in-depth episode tomorrow's episode by the way a reminder because we're going to be at wing nuts there won't be an immediately after practice episode we're going to save the yeah. content of that episode for the show tomorrow at wing nuts which will go down at about 7 30 for for your planning purposes um apex uh one of our regulars uh over on youtube what i don't understand is why draft a cornerback in the first round that doesn't fit your system seems like elam would be better in a martindale wink martindale type of defense like in, in new york and i think this is really interesting because to me, like there's been so much success with Brandon and Sean here, right? And if you could poke a hole into the operation of it all, 
to me, this is the biggest disconnect. It's like, there's this, I don't want to call it hubris. Cause I feel like that, that me, that makes it feel like I'm attacking them. They've done an excellent job of building the roster developing players. I mean, right. you can look at this roster and it's littered with developmental projects that have been like blueprints that other teams around the league use. I mean, obviously quarterback being the most important yeah. one of them. But I, I also think that you get to a point that maybe, maybe subconsciously there's a hubris with, we believe in our system. We believe in our coaching staff. We're going to draft a guy and we know that we're going to get the best out of him. And if he doesn't, we're going to lean on our, you know, our, our, our less heralded guys because we can coach him up and we can get the most out of him. But I think what the problem that you run into there is that that's where I feel like some tension could come into play between the front office and the coaching staff when it comes to, all right, if you're Brandon Bean sitting there talking about, you know, drafting Kyrie Elam and drafting Dalton Kincaid in back-to-back first rounds, and then you're not getting the most out of them or or seeing that vision come to fruition, I feel like you have to be completely on – and maybe they were. They were completely on board during the draft process. They were talking in that room on those embedded episodes, on the clips that we didn't see were like – Brandon was really saying, making sure with, with Sean, if I draft this guy, like you're going to be able to play him, get the most out of him. Like, I don't know if those conversations happen, but I wonder if they, in hindsight, if they maybe need to happen more. Yeah, it's definitely something that needs to happen more if it's not, but you would also think that these two would have their ducks in a row in terms of, yes, I know you're a, you know, predominantly zone defense. However, here's this Kyrie Elam. He has a first, we have a first round grade on him. Uh, we like the the size, we like the closing speed, we like a lot of the attributes, but he has doesn't have any familiarity with the zone system. Good bloodlines too, father playing in the league, whatever whatever it is. You would think that they would have been on the same page with McDermott saying we can coach him up, we can get him out there. Now, if you go into year two and he's not playing a prominent role, I'm not even saying a starting role, but if he's not playing a, a backup prominent role like first guy off the bench then there's a problem here because you invested a high pick in a player and you can't figure out a way to get him onto the field uh so it is something that the bills need to figure out it's something where elam has been on the field and he's flashed matt so we've seen more good than bad uh but now they need to kind of figure out how can they best utilize his talent even if he isn't necessarily a great fit for their system and also like i think that what you're also going to get to with mcdermott is how have the seasons ended, right? right? So when they talk about these season-ending meetings that they have with players, I'm sure that there's, you know, Brandon Bean sits in, in meetings with coaches and talking about what went wrong, what didn't. And, you know, you see the Chiefs game two years in a row, right? Like getting blown out there in the AFC title game, the defense not even showing up for that game, right. then just being unable to do anything down the stretch to, you know, help out – a Herculean effort from Josh Allen in this offense in the divisional round. And then just like letting Joe Burrow come into Orchard Park and just blow things up in that first quarter. Right. And the bills were reeling. Like, so you have all those conversations. Then if you're Brandon Bean, you're saying, well, I got you, Greg Rousseau. I got, or I got you, Kyrie Elam. I got you, AJ Epinesa. I got you, Boogie Basham. How come we're not getting them to a place where opposing pass? And listen, there's also the other part of this. Most teams struggle facing Patrick Mahomes and facing right. um, Joe Burrow. I mean, we saw it in, in in multiple playoff games over the years where really good defenses have gotten roughed up by those guys. But those questions, those conversations are going to get more difficult as these 
the years go on. Yeah, because like you said, we need a pass rush. Okay, well, here's AJ Epineza, here's Boogie Basham, here's Greg Rousseau. We need uh, to upgrade our cornerbacks. Well, here's Kyrie Lim in round one. These are not you know late day three picks, UDFAs. These are talented players in terms of your draft grades and what you think of them, and you're struggling to kind of utilize some of these guys. I mean, Epineza, six and a half sacks last season. He has a strong camp, but he might be you know defensive end number four this year based on the talent that you have from outside, based on the talent uh, that you you know Rousseau being a big factor in that mix too ahead of him. So it's tough, but you do need to start seeing some better results from your high draft picks, Matt, and making sure that they're producing more so on the field. You know, you know what Tops loves people producing? What's that? Local products. Oh, yeah. Tops loves local flavor. Tops loves reinvesting in the communities that it serves by supplying products from more than 300 local companies representing thousands of items, putting money back into local economies. Perry's, Salins, Lenovo, you name Upstate Farms, you name it, Tops has it. And um, Tops supports and invests in local farmers and merchants, and that includes working with more than 200 local growers, including homegrown season, uh, some of which have uh, partnered with Tops for decades. Yeah, hey, and don't forget about Bison on that list. There. I know, I can't Bison. believe that was one of the first one that Come pops on up. Now. I mean, I, I have friends and family that lived in this area that are gone, and they crave bison dip whenever they come back to this area and they want it that bad and it's just kind of hard to come by we got a uh, carl tommen one of our regulars on youtube and that's perfect timing carl because uh, we are switching topics yeah hitting us with the super chat if you ever have a comment on youtube that you while you're watching live you need to get up on the screen you could super chat it and it goes right to the top of our feed uh so carl asks sorry to switch topics it's okay we're, we're going there anyway is spencer brown's stiff back the other day a concern did he play in the RB game and was he out there today? How's he look? So interesting that this comes up like this because Spencer Brown, I mean, really, that was a non-story. Yeah. Like Spencer Brown, it might have been like a back spasm. Maybe I didn't see it, but he has not missed a single snap of team drills in the blue and red game the other night. And then he was out there again today. And I thought looked pretty good yeah. considering I didn't see a lot of pressure in first team um reps coming from that side of the field now they weren't in pads so that's Correct. important to kind of say that but i think if you take the last two days after that one day that he really struggled uh midweek uh yep he's been good i agree with that and, and you know, there was a comment in here pre-show about him stacking days and they haven't heard about that he's had one down practice man he's been pretty solid throughout the entire summer uh but that the injury or the back part he was fine i saw him run out of the tunnel at that uh, blue and red scrimmage and that told me right before anything happened, he was A-OK and he was going to be fine. And, you know, kind of going off of that real quick, we had some fans that were concerned about Ed Oliver because he went to the medical center Friday. He was out at practice today. Taron Johnson, Matt Milano, both players who are dealing with general storm, uh, soreness, Matt, they were out there today. So kind of just like a, a wait and see mode. That's what we've been telling Bills fans in the uh, subtext, as we've been saying here on the podcast. Don't overreact to everything you read out there on social media just yet. Kind of wait and see. Uh, a lot of these times, even if something just feels slightly off, you're going to go to a trainer if you're a player and say, right. hey, you know, can you look at this? Can you do this? Can you tape up the ankle? Whatever it may be. Uh, so don't overreact to these things. Spencer Brown has looked good. And, yeah, if you um, if you miss a practice, we're going to talk about it. Yes. And um, so far, uh, none of these guys have, have missed any time, missed any practice. Tim Settle missed one day. He was back. 
they moved on. There you go. Speaking of the insider, uh, shout Buffalo Bills insider tech service. So my uncle, Uncle Tony, he's been on the show before. Everybody knows Uncle Tony. He was pretty hyped about this, uh, right. this tech service because he's got a lot of questions. So he likes to be fed information on the daily. So he subscribed right from the jump. So he texted me this morning. He's really um, concerned. He's like, I'm not getting the text. Like, what's going on? So I'm like working on the morning. I sent him a text through the service and we're yeah. like going back and forth. So then he finally, it finally appears. But then we sent all of our practice texts today and he said, I didn't get any of them. So I'm like, I'm freaking out all day. I'm like, I got to figure this out. Like, are other people having this where it's not going, uh, they're not getting the text, which by the way, if you're an insider subscriber and you're not getting them, make sure you send a, yeah. a text to that number and we will get on the case and we will figure, figure it out. We just figured it out. He just sent me a text message. They were in his spam folder. He has an oh, Android phone. Oh. Tone. Let's go. It's 2023. Gotta go Apple. Get on that Apple train. I know it's a very polarizing topic. I don't want to get too aggressive with it, political. But listen, get on the Apple train. It's okay. But he, he took him out of his spam folder, said it's not spam. So now I think he's good to go. Would you ever have any problems? Get a hold of us, whether it's through the tech service or a DM or, or whatever. Yeah, we've had a few fans ask questions. We will go right to the people at Subtext, get an answer back pretty quickly, and uh, make sure that if there are any issues, we get them solved very quickly for our the uh, shout insiders. All right. So a couple things uh, on the defensive line. Let's zero in on that a little sure. bit um, because it's, it's interesting. Shaq Lawson has been playing quite a bit with the first team um, more than I would have ever anticipated. And by the way, when I say quite a bit, I more so mean like I didn't anticipate him getting any first team reps going into training camp and right. every practice he's appeared there somewhere. He's working at edge. He's working at defensive tackle. And so, like, there's some – I still think Shaq's in their plans. And it's funny because I feel like it, some days Boogie is just pushing to get onto that second team. Shane Ray had himself another really good practice today. And so I started to think about that. Who is Shane Ray's competition? Because Jordan Phillips gets back off of Pup List. So now he is all clear. We were talking about this on Friday night, maybe starting him on, on um, Pup List, and then it gives you the opportunity to keep more people on the roster. Do it. That's gone now. <laughs> so Shane Ray – I feel like he's starting to build some momentum. But yeah. Shaq Lawson, he's already developed that trust with the coaching staff. So I think he's in the mix too. Then you have Boogie. Then you have AJ, who's had a really good camp. I think Greg Rousseau, you're considering him as DE1 right now. And then maybe Floyd, DE2.5, because he'll probably slide down to three sure. when Vaughn gets back. But man, there is a lot of traffic jam there. And Shane Ray had a couple of sacks today, maybe one. And then... Boogie Basham had a, a pass breakup, but it was Kyle Allen, who you said might have thrown it to Boogie. I mean, I, I was afraid it was going to get stuck in his face mask the way that throw was coming in. Yeah, I mean, it was thrown directly at Basham, but to Basham's credit, he got his hands up. He made a play on the ball, uh, and, and this goes back to what we've talked about a lot. The, the talent on the D-line as a whole, defensive end, defensive tackle, is so, so good. Uh Greg Rousseau, who had high, high praise from Jordan Phillips today post-practice saying – uh, he's expecting him to be a top five player at the position. Uh, he's looked the part. He had a sack today. You talk about Leonard Floyd, who has gotten very comfortable, very fast in the system, looks great. Epinez has had a strong camp. So those are three guys right there. You have the Von Miller you know, scenario you have to figure out. Is it going to be Pop? Is it, what are you going to do with him at the start of the year? But you are going to have a few guys that aren't going to be able to make this mm -hmm. roster. So you know, Shaq Lawson has been solid against the run his entire career. I think he might be safe there for that reason alone, Matt. Uh, and it might come down to a Shane Ray versus a Boogie Basham. And uh, if you lean in the direction of Shane Ray, who he's the player that we, this is a whole separate conversation that you could probably sneak out of your practice squad. He's been out of the league right. for a few years. But if you want to get him on that 53, 
you know, I, I think that there might be a market for a boogie Basham. And I'm not saying you're getting a, a high pick back for Basham or anything like that, but he's still on a rookie contract. He still has another year left on said rookie contract after this year. There's something about a cost controlled rookie deal at a premium position where there's also going to be coaches, head coaches, positional coaches that met with Basham during that draft process where they probably said, you know, we like this guy coming out. We think that there's some untapped potential. We could do something with him. So whether it's getting a, a day three pick, maybe it's a player for player swap. I think that Boogie Basham could be that player that uh, could be on the outs. Here's another kind of off the wall thing the Bills could do. They could showcase like a Tim Settle in during the um, preseason, get him a ton of snaps, hope that he really eats, then try to like trade him mm. because – if you got Phillips coming back, that's your top four, and then settle, settles into that fifth spot. What have we seen all training camp? Boogie, more so than Boogie, Shaq, yeah. and Greg Rousseau working at defensive tackle. I think they can get much more aggressive with how they utilize those edge players and put them into more hybrid roles. I mean, Jordan Phillips is talking about Rousseau today, watching him you know, rush from multiple positions like you mentioned. I mean, that gives you the chance to kind of be a little bit more, you know, um, aggressive with how you position these players. And I'm not sitting here saying that Tim Settle, like you want to get rid of him. I, I actually think that there's real still upside for him in this defense. And and Phillips mentioned the, you know, running 10 deep on a good defensive line. You know, they're going to need players at that spot. It's just the numbers are going to have to fit. And like, although they picked, they kept 11 in 2021, I, I think that number's too high. I think it's 10. I think 10 is the realistic number two this year when you have other positions that you still have to account for. You have to have some more depth at certain positions that maybe you didn't have to worry about before. Uh, but you you bring up a great point. If you're going to have these interesting fronts where maybe you are running three defensive ends and one defensive tackle, maybe that allows you to, to kind of cut one of those defensive tackles, whether it's a Jordan Phillips, whether it's Tim Settle off the bottom of that depth chart right now uh, and kind of go with that rotation because Bash can play inside, Epinesa can play inside, uh, Loss can play inside. And then you even have Alper who can play outside. He can play inside, outside from that D-tackle spot. So it's going to be very fun to watch, and it could be very telling, Matt, in terms of how they're going to be rotating and utilizing this D-line in season. Um, I, I know there was a question about uh, offensive line. Not a lot to get into there today without pads. Like I, right. I, I thought that they were fine. I, you know, the sacks started piling up a little bit more in the second part of the. And I, it was like I mentioned Ilianku. I thought I saw one rep where it was um, Kendall Vickers uh, combined with Cameron Klein for a sack, third team sack. Yep. Uh, but again, we're looking at who was at quarterback. Like I'm not taking too much away from that. Um, but I thought one rep in particular, and let me get out my notes. It was Ike Butker, and I just wrote that Ike had a really good rep, and I, and I thought that it mattered because it was against Tim Settle. Right. And so, you know, watching him kind of like get quickly into his stance, you know, uh, keep Settle from pushing, which pushing the pushing that pocket back. I mean, it's something that I think Tim Settle has done a really good job of, especially yeah. when they've been in pads throughout training camp. So that was a big. To me, a big moment. Ike's been pretty much locked on that second team, but that is that's a player to watch. He's a depth player that like has started games for them before. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. The Bills are, I don't want to say they're too loaded at the position, but they almost are at D end at D tackle. It's great, but you're gonna have some really good players that are either going to hit the mark or you're gonna have to trade away because there's just just not room for enough of them. And 
Johnny Utah is saying here they kept 11 D line in 2021. Yep, yeah, we just mentioned that. We just don't know if it's realistic to do it this year based on the other personnel you might be keeping. You could actually keep a specific punt kick returner if they were if they go with Andy. I was Isabella. literally just yeah. gonna go there. Yep. Isabella could be in play for one of those last roster spots because he's been back there still uh fielding though the kicks and, and handling those responsibilities. Today it was with Deontay Hardy again, mm-hmm. who sometimes is back there, sometimes is not. You know, I know hitting the mic, my bad, my bad. Mike, can you hear um, us? Did you break it? <laughs> but Isabella, you know, he's playing with the second team offense here and there. He's handling the kick return, punt return responsibilities pretty well to date. There's going to be a few players that kind of sneak their way onto the roster that we're not thinking of uh, or that the general public's not thinking of, and that makes it tougher to keep 11 defensive linemen. Uh, About hovering around 400 on YouTube on a Sunday evening. Thank you so much. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the show as well. I want to talk about two more players. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, Mattis is t- asking about Kingsley Jonathan. Not a lot. Yeah. He's been pretty buried on that I was, third team. I was someone who was very high on him based on uh, limited reps last year. But what I saw, I-, I think that he's a priority practice squad player. If you can get him there, they, you know, last year they caught him and he was more of an unknown last year than he would be this year. And the Bears claimed him and he played a handful of games there. So that's, a, a, I don't see a path right now based on all the players in front of him, but maybe. This Bill sneak, you know, they like him. They don't want to show him off much. Maybe if they move a few players, he's back in the mix. I just haven't seen enough to confidently say that. Yeah, I mean, he's gone from making a my 53-man roster projection as a surprise splashy player to somebody that, yeah, I don't even know if he, you know, is in the mix for a practice squad spot as mm-hmm. much as they like him. But the important thing to notice here is, or note here, we got games to play here. I mean, a lot of these guys yeah. that maybe are off the radar right now are going to bounce right back onto it. One guy that I feel like always feels like people are pushing him off the roster or is off people's radar is Saran Neal. You know, I, I just think a lot of people don't love the idea of like a special team standout, and that's mostly what he's done for them. But man, it's like I watch practices like today, and there's been practices with pads on, so it's not just today. So I'm not just going off of that. Where Saran Neal just as a as a defensive back. Just imp- impresses me. He's a big body guy, but he like he can play tight ends, he can play receivers, he can play running backs, and he's physical. But he also has recover speed, which guys at his size a lot of times do not have. Right. And I, you saw it on a play today. So it was he he got out on an island one on one with Dalton Kincaid, and they're fighting downfield. Now I thought Josh Allen severely underthrew this pass, but. Kincaid tried to adjust to it, come back to the ball, make a play on it. It was a really good battle. Some people thought that maybe Neil Hatt was a little handsy, maybe a little uh, pass interference, but he ends up uh, breaking up the pass, a really good defensive play. And it's like sometimes when he's out, I, I often wonder what would Saran Neal look like if he would have gotten like the Taron Johnson treatment where he was given that slot right. job right out of school. I think they were in the same draft, right? And Saran Neal was a fifth. And Taron was a fourth in that draft. Yeah, I'm not both mistaken. small school guys that they, they took in that draft class. Uh, Saran Neal is interesting because there was a game a few years ago where he was lined up against Travis Kelsey, and he did a really nice job against him. There are times, though, where he's been put out on the field at corner in a safety type of role, and he, he's, you know, been out of the play or he's allowed things. But the reps haven't been consistent for him by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. But he's such a core special teams player, uh, one of the best gunners in this league. 
So he's always going to have that spot in be in the mix. But when he has been on the defense this summer, he's been noticeable. He's done a nice job. And today, you know, you mentioned it. Uh, Dawson Knox was pretending to throw a flag on that specific uh, play, chirping a little bit after saying, oh, that's a flag. That's a flag. But, you know, he did break up the play. It probably could have been a, a 50-50 split on whether or not there would have been a flag thrown on that play. Nice day for Saran Neal. And by the way, I'm not mentioning that the Bills should have put Neil in for Taron Johnson. I'm just mentioning I'd have been interested to see if, if Taron Johnson wasn't on the roster right. and he got a chance to play every down slot, what that would have materialized into. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just amazing. Like how, you know, the, the story of a person's career can change just based on early performance. Like Taron Johnson impressed the coach staff from a very yeah. early spot, you know, so on and so forth. Anyway, we don't have to spend a lot of time there. I want to get to two more players. Dawson Knox arrow way up today. Uh, I dinged him on Friday for that route run. Uh, maybe he was reading my story as well. He had a really nice practice today. He had a one play where he caught like a short pass and just turned up field and like was scooting, man. Like he was, he was going. Then he had a, a catch early in practice too. And again, I feel like he's going to, ha- he has the chance to be a really good weapon. If he could just clean up some of the footwork stuff, like I think he could turn into a top five tight end. Like they could have like, I know like everybody doesn't want to mention this kind of stuff, but like, and especially you don't want to mention Aaron Hernandez, but like you think about like the great, dual tight end sure. teams over the years, like they can turn into that. I think Dawson, or Dawson Knox has that upside. He showed it today. I thought he was excellent out there. He he was excellent out there. And, and you're right, the footwork, there was one catch he made and he was like falling to the ground where I think he probably could have caught it low and kept going. Uh, but he made some great grabs today, highly athletic. We've already talked about his development as a blocker over the years. So you, you know the talent is there for him. You know what uh, Dalton Kincaid has done all summer. He had another solid practice as well. So uh, thinking about it, if they do run a lot of twelve traditional 12 personnel, I think that a lot of defenses are going to be pulling their hair out, trying to figure out how to play that. And then, you know, a quasi uh, 12 personnel where maybe you, you actually have um, Kincaid is more of like a slot uh, receiver. I still think you're gonna have a lot of opportunities to have both of them on the field at the same time. Uh, a little uptick for Khalil Shakir as well. We wrote a story mm. yesterday, uh, stock up, stock down yeah. about a half, a little over the halfway mark of camp. And I, I ticked, uh, Shakir down only because it's been an inconsistent camp. And today was one of those really good days, right? Yeah. Like where I felt like he made a couple of good catches showcase the hands, but I want to talk about, uh, I want to mention that before we get to the next thing, but I want to talk, finish up here talking about Gabe Davis, because I thought he, I want, I had him written down as my number two talking point. And it kind of got buried a little bit. We can't get out of this episode without talking about him today. He was today. What I think the version of Gabe Davis is that Bill's fans are dreaming of like what he's going to be as a right. like premier wide receiver two in this offense. Like the, the hands were on display today. I thought he made two catches that completely bailed Josh Allen out. He made one. It was a low ball. He had to kind of make a sliding yeah. grab. It was tough. Now, he did ha- he did drop one in install, early, which we want to mention that install. too. But the catch that he made of, into two defensive backs around him, the ball was behind him. He was running um, right to left, and he had to kind of reach back across his body while sliding and, and falling. He makes the catch. Huge play. Uh, a really nice throw from um, Josh Allen to get it through some traffic, but it was behind him and he bailed him out. And I, you know, Gabe Davis has been so good throughout training camp. Like I really think we're seeing this trajectory of into what I think everybody was hoping for last year. Yeah. And he also had a few Gabe Davis specials and I call those the sideline grabs. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was all over the field today, but he, besides that early drop, he showed sure hands. He made some great plays for this team. Um, and 
I really think that as this team's number two receiver, if he stays healthy, no ankle injury, no issues with that, 100-plus targets is not out of the realm of possibility, man. And the way he puts up big yards after, you know, on the catch, touchdowns, this could be a team that has two 1,000-yard receivers, a team that has a dangerous one-two combo at tight end, and then James Cook, who, by the way, you know, sneaking this in here, had some nice runs again yeah. today. Uh, both, you know, traditional runs, but also some runs after the catch as well. So this team has so many weapons. It's going to be fun to watch Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey figure out how to really spread it around. Um, top spreads it around, man. Yes, like they, they get do. you deals all over the place. And they're also the official home of the exclusive Six Flags Darien Lake evening pass, which, man, I love Darien Lake. I love going. It's a it's about a 20-minute drive from the house. Get out there. You can see a show. You can do, take the kids out there, do a day in the parks. The exclusive evening passes are available for purchase at any Tops checkout today for only $29.99 plus tax. Evening passes are valid for park admission after 5 p.m. only. Don't miss the Laser Light Summer Fest presented by Tops. Plus, you can save time and skip the line with your Tops Bonus Plus card. Show your bonus plus and skip the lines at Darien Lake Amphitheater, Concerts, Offer not available to purchase at Six Flags Darien Lake. That's going to do it for today, Ryan. We got we got a ton of stuff going on at Shot. I feel like this is, you know, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody yes. watching, listening. You have blown this thing up into something that I don't think either of you of us ever even imagined this could turn into. And, I mean, you're talking about Shout Buffalo Bills insider text line, 716-528-6727. Sign up today, two-week trial, $3.99 a month after that. That thing is blowing up. It's it's changing the dynamic of our coverage. We have this monthly um, appearance at Wingnuts, and this month it's even bigger because we're going to Dorado tomorrow at 6 p.m. Uh, on Park Avenue. Wingnuts is coming to Rochester. Live episode of Shout. And then, of course, Tops is back. Man, this has been awesome. It's been unbelievable. And one other thing to throw in there, too, a, a live Shout in London, Matt. Oh, just yes. announced. And in, in under three hours, tickets sold out for this event. If you did not get a ticket and you're heading over to London, we will, you know, we're going to figure some other things out too. We're going to be visible during our time there. We want to really capture the, the, the Bills Mafia and all their glory taking over London for a, a week as they uh, prepare to go against Jacksonville. All right. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino from the dorms at St. John Fisher University tomorrow. Practice in the morning, closed to the public. We'll have you covered and you can watch the show live. 7.30 p.m. tomorrow on YouTube. We'll be at Dorado Park Avenue. Wing Nuts is coming. Take care, everybody.